I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It is that time of the week again. All right, Golik acrostic time. We are ready. We are excited. And Fitz is getting his first taste of the acrostic and what goes along with it. He might have to Google acrostic as we do every single week. But here's what we have for week nine. G is for Germany. We thought really hard about that one. O is for old-time rivalry. Cowboys, Eagles. L, late-night matchup. Bills, Bengals. I, injured QBs. And C, crowning the beak of the week. Seahawks versus Ravens. And now it's the moment we've all been waiting for. I brought my stupid hat for this. It is poem time. Okay, so G is for the Dolphins and Chiefs in Frankfurt. O is for the Cowboys taking on Jalen Hurts. L is for the Bills and Bengals in prime time. I is all the backups who get their chance to shine. C is for crowning the beak of the week. Now let's toss it over to the guys for the knowledge you seek. Gentlemen, yes, we did it. Here we go. We're starting with G. You know how it goes. But yeah, the hat is here and it's glorious. I was so I was really excited for this, Jason. This has become a weekly feature for us. I didn't know what the did you know what the term acrostic meant? You were a guy that was a songwriter for a long time. So I don't know. No, no, no. You didn't know? Okay. Googled it. 
Googled it. Yeah. yeah. Had no idea for the longest time. Our producer Slate writes these unbelievable poems for us here. Does a great job each and every week getting those right. And so that was ultimately leading us to Jesse's hat. She had been teasing this for weeks as she wanted to go out here and read the poem for anyone listening on the podcast audience. It, it And Jesse was absolutely right about this. If you Google basic white girl hat, this is the first thing that comes up. It this is Laney Wilson's favorite hat. It is the one that you're most likely to see. And so if you just picture in your mind, basic white girl hat, I think it's like, if you say like, um, you know, the name three times, it'll appear in the mirror. Yeah, and I actually have more than one of these, so it's embarrassing. Well, you, you can't have I, I'm gonna have to. I'm going to have to get one because I feel like most of the time my diet or my Starbucks is basic white girl, so I feel like I need to add the basic white girl hat when I walk in and get the pumpkin spice whatever that's happening that day. Like, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in on that this. Does, they actually would start making the pumpkin spice latte for you when they saw you come through the door in this hat. They don't and I don't ask. think, like... I think if I walked into like a, a, a coffee shop in East Nashville, like they, they, it wouldn't even be looked at twice. They'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, they, they, there you go. It's got that like basic white girl meets a hipster vibe. Like I'm all yeah, in on this. Absolutely. 100%, you get your PSL inside the Starbucks Christmas cup and all is right in the world all at once. Um, let's get to the acrostic now. Uh, as Jesse said, the G very easy this week fits. We've got early morning Sunday football between two actual good teams right now. I think quietly one of the funniest parts about the overseas sees games is that all of the non-London spots tend to get some pretty good matchups recently and we keep exporting London the Jags which you know shout out to Emerson America no 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 but 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 that's trash that is total this game being in Germany is an abject disaster and it's trash and it's a terrible move by the NFL because wait why is it trash is it because London's not getting this good game or is it because it's such a good game it shouldn't be abroad to begin with because Tyree Kill sat here and talked his talk all summer long and now he doesn't have to walk back to the very playground that he talked about like the the Chiefs of all teams to lose a home game it's the Chiefs that lose a home game against the Dolphins which is meaningful in the playoff standing shouldn't be a neutral site game it's shouldn't be at a jacked up time for any of the teams involved. Tyreek uh, then talked this summer about how like he's never played with the quarterback more accurate than the one he's got now. He doesn't even have to go face the very crowd that he was throwing pass aggressive shade at in this process. Home field advantage would matter in this game, but there will be none because they're in Germany. Why are we so worried about growing the sport globally that we're not worried about something that actually impacts the sport this year? And that would be home field advantage in this particular game. This is trash. It's a terrible Terrible move by the NFL. It's, it's money. Come on, baby. You don't got to act like you don't know what's going on here. This is about the money. We got to sell this to the Wiener Schnitzel crowd over there. Yeah. Well, okay. A, do we need to sell this to the Wiener Schnitzel crowd? And B, if they really were just worried about the money, you could have put this game in a college stadium somewhere and filled it with 120,000 epic fans. Like you could have, you could have buried this game over yeah, in yeah, Tuscaloosa. Fans are going to watch though. You want German fans to be watching football? All of a sudden, have them tuning into some weird. You want to have you want to have them watching Titan Steelers on Thursday night prime because for some reason they got into the nfl through this game you mentioned the tyree kill of it all fits i thought this was interesting as we've talked about the difference in these two teams now you get the top passing offense in the nfl going against the number two pass defense in the nfl overall what this what the chiefs have been able to do with this defense completely remaking it in the last couple of years steve spagnola at the helm who when you look around is really going to be one of the only guys in a pivotal position Manning this defense that has experience going against Tyree Kill on that team. So many of the guys in that secondary are young players that came on after Tyree Kill went over to Miami. That's most of this group. And so how do you see this matching up, Fitz? Who are you picking in this game as I believe the Chiefs are a slight favorite? 
I have trust issues in this game because I don't trust the Chiefs offense anymore to be able to go out and just do whatever they want. Things have looked off all year, but they're taking on a bad defense uh, against the pass particularly. I think they can take advantage of Miami, but Miami can't beat anybody that's any good. So I have trust issues on both sides of it, but I also kind of look at this and say, my God, if not now, then when for the Dolphins? I think the Dolphins can even uh, look, you can make a plan all day for Tyreek. That doesn't mean you can actually shut him down. Tua's playing incredibly well for the most part. I think there's so much on the line for the Dolphins here. I like them in this game, but the crazy part about it is I'm at this spot where I don't trust the Chiefs offense right now to go out and just be able to score on anybody from anywhere. And when's the last time we said that? I mean, their their points per game are down, what, six points this year versus last year? It hasn't looked easy. It hasn't looked effortless. It hasn't. Mahomes is still Mahomes. But man, if either Mahomes or Kelsey's even a little bit off, they're beatable. So I, I think the Dolphins win this football game. I actually think the Chiefs win largely because the version of Mahomes we got last week, battling the flu, two interceptions, gave a fumble away. Like Those are things that we see every once in a while from Pat when he's put in a spot and presses too much, but I, I can't see it happening multiple times, especially with this Dolphins defense where the Chiefs' run game becomes a little bit more viable in that. The stat that's interesting because everyone wanted to do the when you remove Tyreek Hill, hey, that Chiefs team still won the Super Bowl last year, but this season I think more of that's come to light. Tyreek Hill has 1,040 14 yards receiving right now leads the NFL and has him on pace to be the first 2000 yard receiver in league history. The chiefs entire wide receiver core has 1,185 yards. So Tyree kill almost matching the entire chiefs receiving group by his, by himself at this point, obviously that excludes, I believe Travis Kelsey, who's their actual number one receiver on that team. But I go chiefs. I, I think that pass defense does end up being the difference. And right now we're still waiting for the dolphins offensive line to get healthy enough. I think we've seen against the premier opponents. That's been the difference is you've been able to affect to a tongue of Iloa's timing. And we know if there is anybody adept at uh, affecting timing in a lot of different ways, it is Steve bleep and Spagnolo, one of the defensive coordinators who's been the, best architects of that during his career jason let's get to the o in this old-timey rivalry cowboys and eagles both teams at the top of the nfc east and the cowboys team has come out and recovered and won a couple of games since that debacle against the 49ers but do you have speaking of trust issues any way and any ability to trust the cowboys in this game no and the funny thing is i'll i'll throw my own hypocrisy under the bus here like i'm talking about the chiefs like they're broken and they've lost two games this year i think we're doing the same thing with the eagles at some point like the whole it hasn't looked as good as it did last year well last time i checked the eagles are still seven and one so the eagles have gotten to that point where frankly they may not be as good as they were last year, and it doesn't matter. They just win games. A.J. Brown, absolutely uncoverable. This is really about, you know, which wide receiver can take over, but I don't know how you stop A.J. at this point. I mean, it's not a matter of double-teaming him. It's not a matter of triple-teaming him. He gets his every single week. So if you're the Eagles... Uh, yeah, Jalen Hurts has had some moments early on in the season, and you've survived that. You're still 7-1. and one. So I like Philly in this matchup. I, the Cowboys... The Cowboys thing is going to be interesting because if they win, then everything is going to blow up about it. And if they lose, then everything's going to blow up about it. But if you actually just look at it and say, which team do I trust? I trust the Eagles more than I trust the Cowboys, especially because the Cowboys defense hasn't been the same over the last couple of weeks. They can get after the quarterback, but the rest of the defense, eh. Well, I would say that's the thing is this kind of offense is the perfect kryptonite for a Cowboys defense that, yeah, has a ton of great pass rusher bodies. You can do all that, but Philadelphia can live in ground and pound. Now, Jalen Hurts dealing with a bit of a knee injury like we've seen over the last few weeks, had to put the brace on in the second half of, I believe, that Dolphins game. That's the thing that starts to worry you because whether it's his physicality as a part of the brotherly shove, a play which is 
fully changed the math in a football game around this Eagles team in a way that's got to be maddening, especially for a Cowboys defense that wants to get off the field, wants to get after you on third down. I do think that's something to monitor, but I'm inclined to take the Eagles and give the points in this game for that same reason as I do think right now they're playing a different version of football than everybody because of that play. And I think their offensive line still one of the best in the NFL. And the A.J. Brown thing has been sensational. Last year, you felt like you had twin stars on that team. This year, he's clearly superseding Devontae Smith, who's still a great player, but just cannot match the things physically every week that A.J. Brown puts on display. So I, uh, I'm i in agreement with you there, which means that's not fun. So we'll move on to the next version of this. Um, Jesse, we have got the Bills and the Bengals in the late night matchup here. What do we got on this team? Yeah, Bills and Bengals, you know, same field here where DeMar Hamlin collapsed on January 2nd. Um, earlier in the week, Vets Micah Hyde and Josh Allen talked about what it means to DeMar, what it means to the whole team here to be back in Cincinnati this week. We don't oh, have we the sound. We thought we had that sound, and we don't have it, and that's a tough spot right there, but yeah. we're going to slowly moonwalk away from that, and Fitz acknowledge this idea that, yes, this is going to be an extremely uncomfortable matchup in the lead-up for both of these teams, because the last time we saw them, there was the one seed in the AFC on the line in this game, and then it quickly gave way to one of the most harrowing situations we've ever seen on a football field. We talked about the effect that physically, emotionally, it had on both teams after that, having to try and go about their season if everything was normal, especially for the Buffalo Bills, and so him being back on this field, this being the matchup, I'm sure it's going to be a really emotional experience for both of these teams that are also right now like trending in very opposite directions in terms of how we think about them. And so, Jason, going into this one, I feel like we're all looking at this as a crossroads. And right now, I'm inclined to believe the Bengals can keep this going because Buffalo has been far too banged up on the defensive side of the football with so many of their key pieces. And this Bengals offense has been able to draft off the success of their defense as Joe Burrow's gotten healthier. I think the Joe Burrow getting healthier part of it is the most stunning to me because you don't usually get healthy playing, right? And we were talking about a calf injury and how bad it looked at different times where it looked like he was just floating the football, couldn't put any weight in that leg, and it just didn't look right. And then all of a sudden, through the process of playing more football, that calf gets healthy? I can't figure it out. I don't know what holy water he rolled around in, but it worked, right? And so Dolphin now you sex. get this. Uh, <laughs> the Dolphin. answer to any mysterious recovery after Aaron Rodgers uttered this is now just dolphin sex. Bottled and listened to dolphin sex noises. I'm just going to let that live for a second and just, yeah, just like let everybody. Yeah, just let it marinate. Just let it, yeah. Like, I don't know. I was uh, going to say, honestly, like, fits with your vocal range here. This does seem like something that would appeal to you, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was already loaded into your iTunes library. No, what I feel, I feel like I could get, like, a voice memo going, and I could do some generic knockoff of it, and then, like, you could have, like, instead of $500 cologne, you have, like, $20 cologne. I could do, like, you know, dolphin sex and generic, and then just, like, the, the I do like the idea of Aaron Rodgers opening up his weekly shipment of dolphin sex noises and realizing that someone close to him sent him Jason Fitz knockoff dolphin sex noises. <laughs> I don't know what it sounds like. We're going to figure it out. Uh, look, I'm, I'm not even going to be able to figure out how to rebound from dolphin sex, but I can tell you this. 
the, the Bengals offense, especially last week, a couple of times Joe Burrow got loose and ran and looked effortless doing it, right? And I think that was the real indication that he's healthy. You're right that these two teams are trending in different directions. I'm not going to watch the pregame. I'm going to make sure I tune in like three minutes after the game has started so I can miss all of the drama going on. And that's just as a, as a viewer. I can't imagine for the players what it'll be like to try and compartmentalize everything they're going through emotionally in this pregame process. But once football starts, football starts. And now all of a sudden you got to figure out again how to deal with this Bengals offense that is going to be a problem for that defense. I, I, I think Jamar Chase and T. Higgins both have the chance to have big games in this one. Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely going Bengals. And the Bengals, by the way, have they've righted the ship to the point that it would be very difficult right now if we were doing a power rankings for me not to put the Bengals well ahead of teams that have a substantially better record because it is finally all clicked in the last two weeks. It really has been exactly what we described as their formula for the last two seasons, where they would start slow, they would lose early. Joe Burrow wouldn't practice during training camp for any various number of reasons, coming off the knee injury, um, having his appendix removed, I believe, last season, and yet somehow they find a way to make it work here. And Jason, while we can point to Joe Burrow, who obviously is getting better and healthier, 283 yards, three touchdowns, his highest ever completion percentage in a game. Last week against the 49ers, 87.5% in an NFL game against the 49ers defense that, while has slipped some, is still a very good outfit. The key has been the name everyone's been talking about over the last week. It's Lou Anarumo, who I can't imagine is just going to be a defensive coordinator next year as we already see roster churn on some of these head coaches starting to weave its way in. you got to imagine Big Lou is going to get himself a head coaching job because over the last couple of seasons, there's good personnel on this Bengals defense, especially up front. Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendrickson, these guys, DJ Reader and company in there, that all definitely help, but... Lou Anarumo is the architect of that defense has been the reason they've been able to get by until this point. And so he's a name we're going to keep saying out loud as one of the few D coordinators everybody knows. Fitz, let's get to the I, injured quarterbacks. Coming up this weekend, let me read you the name of the quarterbacks that we're going to watch play. Jaron Hall, Taylor Heineke. We don't even know who's going to be out there for the Browns. Clayton Toon, potentially, for the Arizona Cardinals. Brett Rippon for the Rams if Stafford's thumb can't go. Tyson Bagent gets another start with Fields still out. Aiden O'Connell for your beloved Raiders. Gardner Minshew. Daniel Jones might be back, but if not, Tommy DeVito and his chain are waiting in the wings. Fitz, is this feel even more so like an injury churn at this position than usual in the NFL season, or is it just because it's this year and right in our face now? No, it's an injury churn that's unprecedented, and not just because I'm hanging out with a fat guy. I think this has so little to do with Whoa. quarterbacks and so much to do with offensive linemen. Like former fat guy, we'll say it that way. I, I, I think, you know, you and I have talked about this ad nauseum on different shows. There are not 32 capable left tackles in the NFL right now. There are not 32 capable right tackles in the NFL right now. There are not 32 capable offensive lines in the NFL. And so what you have is a combination of quarterbacks that are getting, you know, bad luck on injury, but also quarterbacks are just getting pounded because their offensive lines stink. And that's one of the weird parts of all of this is, you know, when you start to look at how you fix this, we are obsessed with the quarterback position. But I've I've said this to you for years covering the NFL draft together. Like if your team has the most boring draft in history, but takes some big guy in the first round that you've never heard of and that guy turns out to be the right thing, that's the right move. There are two or three offensive linemen this year that are going to be top 10 picks. And when it happens, the broadcaster is just going to gloss over them because nobody knows how the hell to evaluate it. Those teams should throw a parade right now because realistically, you can put 
put anybody back at quarterback. They are going to get murdered behind these offensive lines. So, yes, it's, in, it's incredible injury churn, but I think it also has a lot to do with the amount of injuries and the lack of good play at offensive line. I think we've definitely seen that show up in a year defined by defense. I think some of these injuries were more freak injuries, but it puts a lot of these teams in interesting spots. Obviously, the Vikings with Kirk Cousins and his uncertain future beyond this season. Justin Fields, a quarterback that they've seemed not sold on going back to last year, who they can't get on the field long enough to get a read on. It is made for a complicated bit of math for a lot of NFL teams going forward. Fitz, let's finish it off with the C, crowning the beak of the week, the Seahawks and the Ravens. Another marquee matchup this weekend. Lamar Jackson, when his receivers catch the football, Looks like the MVP of the NFL right now. Do you trust this Ravens team at this point? Yes. Uh, look, I, I mean, they'll figure that out. There's too much talent there. Although you could debate that the talent just hasn't developed the right way. I mean, uh, I, I got into this the other day with somebody like Rashad Bateman is a name that I thought so highly of coming in. And every year I think, oh, yeah, Bateman's going to have a, a breakout year. And it turns out that maybe he's just sort of sus. Like maybe he's just like, man, as a player. Like so maybe part of this is is I had too high expectations. But the way Lamar is playing, I don't know. And, and the way that offense looks like I, I think we all knew it was going to take a few weeks for Munkin to really really get his feel as an offensive coordinator for this offense to come together. Guys are wide open every, everywhere. All they got to do is start hauling in the football. I believe that they'll get rid of the yips. Uh, they'll be just fine. I, the Ravens are a very, very legitimate Super Bowl contender to me. I think the most fun matchup of the weekend might be this Seattle offense that is getting healthy at the right times, right? We've seen DK Metcalf a little bit banged up. Tyler Lockett's been dealing with a hamstring. Both of those seem to be getting better. You've had the Jake Bobo experience there. Jackson Smith and Jigba, their first round pick starting to come on. And oh, by the way, Zach Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker in that backfield also hell in a cell while their O-line gets healthier. Going up against the defense that leads the NFL in sacks right now, has Roquan Smith roaming the middle of the field, and friend of the program Geno Stone leaning the NFL with five interceptions at the safety spot back there. It's as complete a defense as we have in pro football right now, going up an against an offense with weapons everywhere. I'm excited. I think, to your point, both teams score. I'd expect the over to be in play, which has been like a rarity for the Ravens as of late in what could be in a weekend full of stellar games that start right on Sunday morning with that 9.15 a.m. Eastern kickoff. Rolling through this. Leave it alone, Fitz. Let the people enjoy their weekend. Speaking of which, coming up next... Jason Fitz and I have covered a lot of college football together. We got to talk about the CFP rankings earlier this week. So coming up next, we'll look ahead to some of the games that are going to influence the teams in the hunt for the college football playoff. All of that coming up here next on Gojo and Golan. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know is it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. 
Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It is time to turn our attention to the college game with our Modelo College Football Weekend Preview. Brought to you by Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Okay, fellas, let's start with the battle between Heisman hopefuls Michael Penix Jr. and Caleb Williams as Washington and USC do battle in a Pac-12 matchup. Let's go. Yeah, in a matchup that we haven't seen at USC since 2015, by the way, which is wild as the Pac-12 is getting ready to crumble and these guys will be future Big Ten opponents. Uh, interesting there. Even more interesting, Jason, walking into this game where after the first round of the college football playoff rankings, Washington, the first team on the outside looking in based on their marquee win at home over Oregon. And since then, it's been tough sledding for Washington. No offensive touchdown against Arizona State the following week. And then even last week, really limping through a couple of wins. And now they go out to Southern Cal where, Jason, they're only a three-point favorite on the road, which is sirens going off in my head. Are you concerned about what we've seen from Washington post-Oregon? Yes, and I think the offensive portion of it is the concerning part because, look, Washington and Oregon both are, are much better balanced football teams than they get credit for uh, because we talk so much about the quarterbacks. But Michael Penix Jr. has looked a little off. I think last week wasn't particularly a great game for him, you know, and so you start thinking about what we expect in this matchup. Caleb Williams has taken on a good defense in Washington, but Washington's not taking on a good defense with USC. We know that. So I was surprised to see the number, but I think what that speaks to is the fact that Right now, teams don't or play people, I should say, don't have a lot of faith in this Washington offense to get back on the rails when they are on the rails. They can beat you. They can score points from anywhere. But uh, Penix Jr. had a great start to the season, but everything looks a little out of sync right now. This should be a get right game, though, Mike. I think that, that it's fair to say against USC's defense, almost anybody can have a get right game. Yeah, it's really strange to that end, Fitz, because it was the same thing I said for Notre Dame going into the USC game a couple of weeks ago. And I looked at that and said, this is a chance Notre Dame's offense post-Ohio State hadn't quite looked like its explosive self, a team that had been scoring over 40 points a game through the first quarter of the season. And a funny thing happened was the defense ended up dominating a lot of that game. The defense ended up being the difference in that game. And so I will be curious to see if Washington does go out there and manufacture that. I think they will. Most of what we know about that USC team and their problems ended up trickling over to the offense from the defense. I do think Washington gets right in this game. I just think the USC foundation we've seen is too cracked at this point. I know this would continue to pile up losses for them, but in a year where we're seeing the same thing going on with Clemson right now, where they've got a chance to be sub high 500 for the first time in, I mean, the last decade or so, uh, I wouldn't rule this out for USC. I would absolutely pick Washington to get right in this game, despite some of the issues that we've seen for that team. Um, Jason, let's go to the SEC. LSU at Alabama. LSU last year managed to win this game, and this was one of the wins that really jump-started the expectation train for Brian Kelly and Baton Rouge, where you end up going up, uh, going and playing Georgia in the SEC championship game in year one, and now all of a sudden in year two, we're coming in with national championship as the expectation, 
and it hasn't lived up to that in large part due to the defense. This is the top offense in college football in terms of yard per game and scoring, but how do you see them faring against this Alabama war machine that has all of a sudden gotten dialed back up again post-Texas? Man, here's the thing. I keep saying that Alabama's like the undertaker. You know, every time I leave them for dead, they just sit up. Great ab strength, by the way. Just sits up like that, and bam, all of a sudden they're right back into the thick of things. I want to count Alabama out of this game, and uh, but uh, it's hard to do because every single week that I've tried to do that with Bama, they've been wrong. The, here's the thing that's weird about LSU. I mean, you mentioned how great their offense is. I, I don't even know why they put guys on the field for the defensive side of the ball. Like, it's just not doing any good. Like, the lack of defense at all, the lack of any attempt to – it's not like they can scheme anything. It's not like they can win any matchups. Like, defensively, LSU does not feel like they belong in the top 25. But their offense is so stinking good that it doesn't matter. So what do you do now when you're taking on an Alabama team that has actually found a lot of rhythm uh, offensively? I mean, Milrow has gotten much better. He's been very efficient throwing the football. He's been good running the ball. We know that. So, like, this just feels – like one of those games kind of like the Tennessee Bama game was last year where every possession ended in a touchdown and whoever gets the ball last is going to win and it feels gross to say that about like I think LSU Alabama I think nine to six ugly game that everybody wants to forget and instead it feels like this one could be like 63 to 61. That, so that's the thing is the 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 number on this game is 61 and a half I think if that gets to the over that's an LSU win like that's how they're going to win Alabama's this weird cognitive dissonance in the fact that they're winning games because their defense is still Saban standard defense, but their offense has not exactly gone to that ground and pound style that we've been expecting. It's about hitting big shots at the right time for them. I wouldn't say I trust their downfield passing attack consistently. Isaiah Bond and Jermaine Burton are great players. They're great athletes. They've got a shot but it's been, all right, they've hit it at the right time. We know this LSU secondary has certainly been beat up, not nearly at full strength. So I think there's going to be enough opportunities for that. And I think this Alabama defense against some high-powered offenses has shown what it's capable of. And so I think if this stays south of the number, that's the success and that's the formula for Alabama at this point. By the way, I picked LSU to win this game uh, mostly because I think I'm just in this spot where I think great offenses somehow beat great defenses in college football, all things being equal. So if I'm just, I'm going to presume that that offense for LSU is going to show everybody that Alabama's defense is very good, no doubt. But it's it's easy to be good against some of the teams that they've beaten along the way, like some of the inept offenses. LSU is not inept. LSU is going to be able to put those points up. So the question really becomes to me, can Alabama get to 30 points? I think they would have to get to 30 points to win, to your point. I don't think they can do that. So, yeah, I'm taking LSU in this one. Yeah, and this is certainly you know a much more grown-up version of the offense. You know, Alabama went out and got that great win against Tennessee, where their defense really jump-started that party, especially in the second half. Here, Joe Milton, we know that hadn't fully come together, right? Tennessee had been a great rushing team, not necessarily a great passing team. Jaden Daniels going to be a, a much steeper test, and for great pass rushers, right? When you've got Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell, who are both I think eight and seven sacks respectively on the season, having to rush against a quarterback whose legs you know are a lethal weapon, kind of takes some of the sting off guys at certain points. We'll see how we'll see how that matches up here, Jason. Let's get to the last game on the slate. And for both of these ones, we talked about the college football playoff rankings. Washington sitting at number five, important for them to keep pace. Alabama still controls their own destiny with the one loss on their schedule at this point, being ranked inside the top 10 and having a clear path to play Georgia or whoever comes out of the East in the SEC championship game. We know the likelihood of a one loss, even SEC champion being left out. 
pretty low. But the other game that's going to help determine that is this weekend down in Athens. I'm going to be on the call for this game, so I can't make a pick in this one. But number 12, Missouri, heads to now number two, Georgia, according to the CFP rankings with Ohio State at number one. Fitz, Eli Drinkwitz, Brady Cook, this team have been a great story so far this season. Do you see it having a continued happy ending here in Athens? No, and, and I think this is finally the spot where Georgia can show everybody. Georgia can shut me up, specifically shut me up, because I feel like every week I've come in and said, great. Who's Georgia playing? Like, great. And Georgia looks awesome against who? Like, that's been the argument over and over and over again. The fact that they came in number two in the college football playoff rankings, you can't tell me that that's not being used by everybody in that locker room as a let's go make a statement. And when Georgia didn't need to make a statement earlier this year, when, you know, a lot of people were saying, hey, let's see what it looks like. Kentucky coming off a big game running the ball. Let's see what Georgia does there. Georgia went out there and absolutely whooped that ass, like just up and down the field all over. Georgia reminded everybody they haven't lost a game in, you know, at this point, 74 years. I think what's important to remind everybody is that the college football playoff is literally told they cannot factor in previous years so if you're georgia you come in and say hey this was a great week for the messaging at georgia to be we've got to do it now because last year doesn't count and you can see that because we're only number two so this is a big opportunity for georgia to come out and play focused and when georgia does that i, I don't know who can beat them I, I there's never been a question for me that georgia's the best team in the country my question has been have they shown that in a way that can make it okay to vote for them as the best best team in the country this week they do that. They get a big win against Missouri, I think. And we're going to find that out. Kentucky, who they played before, no longer ranked in the CFP. But coming up, you've got number 12, Missouri. After that, number 10, Ole Miss. And then a ranked Tennessee as of right now. And so the back half of Georgia's schedule that's been the thing maligned by so much of the people judging college football all of a sudden starts to ramp up in a way that we know. Again, in the SEC, if you go out and you win your conference and you do the things in front of you, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. But Missouri, sitting there at 12, looks like to me the lowest ranked team that's still got a shot at the entire crown in college football laid out ahead of them. Back after this here on Gojo and Golan. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Gojo and Golic Steelers with a big win last night. And cornerback Levi Wallace is joining the show right now. A little bit tired, but we're happy he's here. Yeah, Levi, we appreciate you making the quick turnaround, man. How you feeling? Congratulations on the win last night. Man, I'm doing well. Doing well. It's a little tired, like I said, but uh, all, all is good. I always feel better after you get a win. A- absolutely. A- and a big one, primetime win against a, a, a Tennessee Titans team that's breaking in a rookie quarterback right now. I- I'm curious for you guys, especially in the secondary, when you see a rookie making just his second start and you guys are game planning around this all week, what's that conversation like about how you want to try and go out and affect him? Yeah, um, obviously he put on a, a great display last week, you know, with, with uh, his first performance, his first start. And, you know, we didn't want him to feel comfortable <clears throat> um, here at Acrisure. And so um, our intention was to, to pressure him early, get on him early, show him a bunch of different disguises. Um, and he still played pretty well. You know, he found some soft spots in our, in our zones a couple of times. And so um, and then eventually we just came to the sideline and said, we're, we're going to stop running all these zones. Let's, let's go man to man. And, um, let's get pressure on this guy. You know, obviously we got some really good pass rushers. And so um, I think second half, that's what really changed for us. And we went out there and just uh, honestly just did what we did, you know what I mean, and, and got a lot of production done in the second half. I mean, it's a Thursday night, which we all know is a quick turnaround. So how much does that present a challenge when it's a new quarterback with limited film and only a couple of days to get ready? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's for both teams, you know. Um, you know, especially when a guy that's just getting to the league, um, doesn't really know too much about Pittsburgh still is. And so it's, it's about the relationships that you build, you know. And so once go out there, go out there and play a game, you know, hopefully that he won't forget that, that it, it's hard to win here in Akershire. It's hard to win against Pittsburgh Steelers. And so um, obviously coming after a, a loss uh, against Jacksonville, you know, you want to get that taste out your mouth as fast as possible. And so glad that we were able to go out there Thursday and get a win. Uh, you mentioned the standard is the standard, as is often said around that building uh, out by you guys there. Uh, one of the relationships that was big, uh, getting uh, Cam Hayward back on your guys' defensive line, a huge voice. Uh, what kind of boost does it give getting him back off injured reserve and on the field for you guys? Yeah, obviously he's, he's been here for the longest, I think 13 years here at Pittsburgh. And so obviously he's a leader um, on and off the field. And so getting a vocal guy like that, um, obviously a hard work, obviously uh a playmaker uh, was beneficial for us in, in the back end. And I think that just gave us a little more confidence to go out there and just play man to man in the back end. You know what I mean? Play tighter coverage and let the D line work. You know, they've been together for a while, him and Alex, and TJ. And so um, those guys are going to do what they're going to do. And, um, you know, obviously we, we got the duck. So give me a little bit of the defensive reaction to Deontay Johnson. We all know about the slump on the touchdown. He breaks that slump. Slump Buster gets the touchdown. So what were you guys uh, – how were you guys reacting with him? Uh, I think it was more so after after the game. You know, we were all excited for him. Obviously, you know, we'll take any touchdown that we can get from anybody, you know. And so, um, you know, it, it's always good to see a guy that works hard the way that he does. Um, obviously, I've been here for the last two years and me and him uh, – have a good relationship now. I, I remember when I was in Buffalo, we used to play Pittsburgh every year. You know, me and him used to talk a lot of mess to each other, and obviously now we've built a great relationship. And so, um, you know, I'm always happy for a guy like that. And just seeing get his first one yesterday was super dope. And, and you know, you, we knew it was coming. You can't keep a guy that's that explosive 
at the end zone for a long time. So I'm super, super happy about that. So speaking of talking a lot of mess, I want to talk about one of your guys' other receivers and George Pickens, a young guy who we saw <laughs> in training camp getting into it with some of the other guys in the secondary and things like that. What is he like in the locker room as far as a personality, and how have you seen that translate to the field for him in his young career? Yeah, you have a guy that's just super ball-hungry. Um, playmaker, obviously super talented. Um, you know, he, I, it's hard to compete against a guy like that in training camp every single day, you know, because he – he makes you mad at the same time, you know, it gets you better. And so, um, you know, his time is coming, you know, and obviously picked up a lot of slack when Deontay was out for a while. Um, it's always good to have both those guys back on the field at the same time. It's hard to try to stop two really good receivers. Um, and so it, his personality is big. It speaks for itself. And obviously he's a great playmaker. And so um, whenever you get the ball in his hands, just like Tay, you know, you're happy to do that. All right, so who's the biggest trash talker in the locker room? Come on. Biggest trash talker? Uh, George talks a lot of trash. He does. Um, I mean, I mean, but as defensive players, I mean, we all talk trash. So uh, it's it, it goes hand in hand, you know. And um, even yesterday, I was telling Quan, you know, Quan Alexander, he's super vocal, you know, as, as a linebacker for us. And I'm, I told him yesterday, man, go out there and talk a little mess, bro. Go out there and talk a little mess. I can't really hear you. You know, and that just strikes them up, you know, especially with the Alabama LSU game coming up this week. You know, I'm like, man, show me what that LSU football is talking about, bro. And then there you know, we go. I, I, how many, game, so how cool. much of that does come up in the locker room for you guys with all of the, I mean, there's no shortage of Alabama and LSU players <laughs> all over the NFL, but it's been kind of kind of a tight week around there in the locker room? Uh, I think it's different because we played on Thursday. You know what I mean? They don't play till Saturday. Uh, we got the rest of the weekend off. So we weren't really talking about it. Like maybe if we played on Sunday – They'd be more adamant uh, about the game. Uh, but, you know, it's, we, we know what it is. At least Bama guys, we know what it is. You know, <laughs> hopefully those guys go out there and get the W. Um, you know, you talk mess to, to LSU guys, and they, they've had a couple wins in the last few years, and they feel good about that. I'm like, man, congrats. I've never lost LSU. So, you know. <laughs> there we go. Just, just to remind you guys just real quick what I'm about <laughs> over here. Uh, speaking of, of that kind of standard, What's the message been like from Mike Tomlin this season? I feel like for the first time in a while early in the year, I heard a lot of noise from the outside of people questioning Mike Tomlin and what the future looks like here, issues with the coordinator. What has his messaging been like to you guys on the inside while all that's been swirling? Man, the, you seen that video where he said, we do not care? Yeah. That's that's this message, man. He's If you're not inside that building, um, you know, honestly, you're really not relevant, you know, and that goes with friends and family as well. Um, you know, we control what we got to control, and our job is to win. And, um, you know, sitting at, what are we, five and three now? Yep. Uh, you know, we're on the right track. We're on the right path. And, um, you know, he's our leader, and we're going to follow him and kind of keep moving the ball in that direction. Do you have a favorite Mike Tomlin saying? I mean, there's, there's so many. I mean, maybe that one right there. <laughs> we do not care. I feel like I say that a lot just among <laughs> my friends. You know, when they talk to me, you just find yourself just spitting out stuff that you just hear all the time from him. Um, or it's my job to see around corners, uh, you know what I mean, um, yeah. to prepare you guys um, for stuff that happens down the road. And so, I mean, like we had so many um, practices during training camp where it was pouring rain. And uh, obviously we played Jacksonville last week and it's pouring rain, you know what I mean? And so. Is sometimes you're like, man, coach, what are we doing out here? Guys can get sick, you know, and then 
them and I can prepare you guys for whatever because I don't know what other teams are doing. You know what I mean? So I have to make sure that my guys are good. My job to see around corners. I especially imagine as a defensive back, the word play there is pretty <laughs> nice. Uh, Levi, we also did want to mention here, uh, before we let you go, we know you're nominated for the NFL Salute to Service Award here. Certainly, I'd imagine pretty meaningful to you having two parents that both served in the Air Force. How special is it to be uh, mentioned along something like this? Yeah, it's it's super cool. I'm actually on this, <laughs> speaking of, this little magazine right here that they printed out with the uh, – Sleep to service. Um, but I try to do as much work as I can with veterans. Um, you know, I think one of the first things I did when I came to Pittsburgh was go to the VA center and just uh, meet and talk to those guys. Because um, it's important. <clears throat> Sorry. I uh, I really wouldn't be here without my, my mom and dad going to the military. Because um, their sacrifices, I was able to go to Alabama on the GI Bill and be able to walk on and be in this position now. And so um, this is just an honor. Um, I presented a bunch of banners the other day to um, some people that have retired from the military um, that they're hanging near Akersha Stadium now. And so it, it, it's always um, humbling because we play a game for a living. And these guys sacrifice their lives um, for this country and for us to go out there and play. And so however I can get back is what I try to do. And that's what my parents instilled in me. Uh, it's incredibly special. Obviously, everyone saw the colors flying for the NFL Salute to Service initiative last night, but incredible work by you. Thank your parents for their service. We really appreciate your time. Congrats on the win last night, Levi. Hopefully, you get to enjoy some rest now. Thanks, Levi. Oh, oh, well, thank you, guys. Awesome stuff there. As the Steelers keep it rolling, like he said, five and three, unflinching standard. Mike Tomlin seeing around corners, everything good in Steel City. Brought to you by Wrangler, jeans, shirts, and jackets made for the ride of life. Be ready for those cooler days and longer nights in styles that'll keep you warm and keep you comfortable, moving, and looking great no matter where you are. You can wear Wrangler jeans literally anywhere, at work, out at night, playing a pickup game with friends, or at home, just watching the game on TV. They're that comfortable and that durable. And there's a Wrangler shirt for every occasion. Casual tees, snap and button-ups, or you can layer them together for a little bit of both. And don't forget about the iconic Wrangler jackets. When the weather starts to chill and you need to venture out, Wrangler will keep you ready for anything. Add some Wrangler to your getup with jeans, shirts, and jackets that look great, fit great, and move great so you're always ready for whatever life throws at you. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order when you use the promo code GOJO15. Wrangler for the ride of life. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. We are here to finish things off the way that we always do. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you off into the weekend. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out on DraftKingsNetwork.com, DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, wherever else you get it. And if you missed any of today's show featuring our good friend Jason Fitz. Jason, we appreciate you as always. Everyone, make sure you check out Jason's great work over at Yahoo Sports and also catch him on the weekends over at Fox Sports Radio uh, and follow him on Twitter at Jason Fitz or Levi Wallace, cornerback for the Pittsburgh Steelers who just joined us as they come off a great win here. Obviously, Levi also the nominee from the Steelers for the NFL Salute to Service Award told us about some of the great work that he had been doing with veterans in the area there, being the son of two Air Force veterans and how much that's impacted him. Him. You can check that out wherever you get your podcast or right here on YouTube. As soon as we finish the live show, it will be up and available. Guys, let's get to this. Um, so I didn't know. I feel like people talk about branding all the time a lot. 
in the job that we do. And people kind of always have a tough time explaining what that is. And I said to someone one time, your brand is what people shout back at you the most often. I thought I was going to die the Mayo guy after the Duke's Mayo Bowl from a couple years ago. I realized last night I am now also moonlighting as the possum guy. Because when Texas Tech and TCU squared off in a college football game, this little star pranced his way into America's hearts and minds. A possum scampering onto the field was apprehended and dragged against its will in a very uncomfortable shot away from the stadium. I saw Texas Tech's athletic director or university president even petting the good kitty after the game. And so Fitz, possum's having a real moment right now, and I feel like I played a big role in this. Why are you the possum guy? What did you have to do with the joy of this animal, though? Oh I mean, you, you retweeted something and you had a possum in your house. Yes. Like, okay, yes. you had a possum in your house. Congrats. You know what? Uh, that that does not make you the possum guy. It means you had a possum in your house once. I, I don't like have you never spent time in the South? Possums are everywhere, Mike. Like you don't get to be the possum guy because you're in California living the fancy life. And one possum decides to hang out. Like if, if having one possum in the general vicinity made you the possum guy, then I've got like 24 friends it would be like the possum czar the possum king the the possum guru like you're just you're just an elitist with a possum in your bathroom wow 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 i didn't expect <laughs> this kind of anger and you know what jesse honestly it sounds like jealousy it sounds like jason is jealous that his little buddy didn't make it to prime time his look because i'm assuming wally is what i ended up naming the possum that lives under my bathroom sink right now and really in the walls there as we sort of evicted him under the sink wally because i gave you the, the patio possum was a better objectively patio possum is a better name like you go with the full thing it's patio possum but people voted they it was found in the wall it returned to the wall it's wally and now it looks like it might have made his way to Texas. Like, I can't confirm or deny. The one thing I can tell you is because that possum's ears are almost fully brown, that's an older possum because they start out with fully pink ears when they're babies, and the hair slowly grows up as they get older. So, Fitz, there you go. I'm the possum vibe because now I know important possum factoids that I can dispense to the rest of the nation. I would like now, a wellness check on this possum that was unceremoniously dragged off the field. I know. I'd like a wellness po po check on the one that's living in his wall. Like, is Wally, like, you leaving snacks for Wally? Like, you I helping Wally get better? Him. I haven't seen him in like a week. You could have gotten to Texas by then. We believe that he escaped through, there was a hole to the outside. So we believe that he got, and it has not been closed. So we believe that he was allowed to leave peacefully. So yeah. you basically abandoned the possum in your wall, and then you left a hole for that for that possum just to go out there and face the the, the cold, dark world that we live in. Oh, and you're a possum guy. Face the Southern California streets, the hardcore streets of like <laughs> right. yeah. He's living like he's on the beach. He's in, that real estate is very valuable. He did not make his way to Texas. He's hanging out right around where he was before. Seriously, I think he's been over at the farmer's market in Manhattan Beach. I saw him smoking weed down by the pier. He's yeah. doing great. And now I want to hang out with your possum. Like, there we go. That's all. You should have led with that. And then all of a sudden, I'd be hanging out with smoking weed with the possum at the farmer's market. Sounds like a good Saturday to me. Why not? It sounds like a great weekend here, as does turning on some Christmas music. Jesse, let's get to that as... The center of the Christmas music universe is now finding herself once again being sued. This dude, Vince Vance, apparently every year he just sues Mariah Carey and he says that she stole her hit, All I Want for Christmas is You, from his earlier song, 
And so it's been a year since he dropped his previous lawsuit. So he files this lawsuit every year. He basically makes the same accusations. He says that it infringed the copyrights to his 1989 song of the exact same name. And what this really comes down to is Mariah Carey makes how many millions of dollars every year on All I Want for Christmas is You, and Vince Vance wants a piece of that. So Jason Fitz, as our resident musical expert here, again, former classically trained musician, fiddle player in the band Perry for a number of years, an expert on the entire music scene overall. Jason, how do you view this story here? I don't think I've ever heard you talk about this. The number one expense for artists and songwriters in the world legally is fighting claims of copyright infringement on songs. That is an actual fact. And like it is, so it's so common to be sued. But if you're going to tell me that they took the same title, I would just beg anybody to go out and just look for, I don't know, like phrases like in the rain or whatever. Like you can find hundreds of songs that are called the same thing. All I want for Christmas is you. Just simply using that line wouldn't be an infringement of anything. It's just, this is what's maddening about it. We live in this strange world where everybody wants a piece of something they didn't create. Like let Mariah a bee and this is just a moment where somebody's trying to ride coattails that doesn't deserve it like i i, I can't and also if the lawsuit had merit you wouldn't drop it every year you'd fight through it and there'd be 52 different attorneys that would do it for you for free because they want a cut of what you would eventually get as listed as a songwriter of that song every single time any version of that song is played on the radio remember we're the only country in the world that does not pay the singer for performance rights we paid the songwriter so every time whether it's her version or Bublé version or any cover every time it's on the radio she gets six cents so any attorney would gladly take their cut of their portion of her six cents if there was actually an infringement on it this guy's a clown maybe this guy is just trying to work his way into christmas folklore because all i want for christmas is you it feels like once i hear that song in the wild every year now it's officially the christmas season like don't get me wrong i woke up november one and immediately turned on kelly clarkson's christmas album and mm. began the holiday season for myself but all i want for christmas is you has the cachet and so maybe this guy is trying jesse to go for the brand association of well when you think christmas you think this guy suing mariah carey as the start of the holiday season yeah he's working on it i mean he's almost there there. I, Vince Vance. I can't get the name out of my head. <laughs> it's You know what? Alliteration usually always helps that stuff. Let's get to the third because this was not the word association I had prepared. I feel like we had known so much about Brock Purdy since his rise to power during the middle of last season. We've learned a lot about the former Mr. Irrelevant. We've seen his family talked about during games. I apparently missed the point where I found out that Brock Purdy and the fam were out here farming jesse well here's the thing so it's his fiance's family farm so that's probably oh, why okay. that's probably why so jenna brant his fiance posts this clip on her instagram story he's working her family's farm in iowa so he's got an off week but you know what he's out there and he's still grinding in the fields Jason, this seems like the exact thing that the people who love to support Brock Purdy would latch on to even more and love here. Don't get me wrong. I love farming. I was very pro AJ Dillon and his internet farming on this show before he got slandered by dad for not being a real farmer. It looks exactly like what Brock Purdy's out here doing. And so I don't know why they both can't get credit. Yeah, by the way, the minute I'd sit behind the, the wheel of a tractor, I would start singing, she thinks my tractor's sexy. Like, there's no doubt, like immediately going to that. And I'm singing it over and over and over again for the entire duration of it. So if we're out there farming together, buddy, for like eight hours, you're going to hear that song for eight hours straight. Like, you're going to be singing it with me. It's going to be a whole thing.
I see. I think what song you think of when you think of tractors says a lot about you. I do feel like Brock Purdy would be more of an Amarillo sky, like toiling in the fields, taking the tractor another round, pulling the plow across the ground and just sending up prayers because he's just going out there and fighting the good fight here. At least that's what makes sense in my brain right there. But Tractor, Brock Purdy, enjoying the downtime there. We enjoyed a Friday with Jason Fitz and Jesse Cofield. Hopefully uh, my parents and my brother are enjoying their drive out somewhere in the Sprinter van. Uh, And we hope you all enjoyed this show. Again, make sure you're following Jason Fitz at Jason Fitz on Twitter. Check out all the great work that he is doing here. And make sure you walk on over to Apple, wherever you get your podcasts and download, subscribe, rate, and review us. Leave us that five-star rating and show us a little love. Thanks so much. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.